Hello and welcome to Today in Space. We are here watching the uh, live, well, for, for the time we're recording it, it's live, it's at T minus 8 minutes and 45 seconds for the first launch of 2020. Uh, SpaceX, of course, because their launch manifest is massive, they're launching tons of rockets every year, and this is no different. We're talking about the Starlink 2 mission. So what is Starlink? Starlink, I think we've talked about it before on the podcast, but Starlink is the constellation of satellites that's going to, when it's full and complete, encapsulate the Earth in a net, essentially, that is beaming 5G internet service around the world. So uh, the reason they need this net around the entire globe is to provide entire global access. So areas of the world that don't have the ability to set up uh, not only an internet uh, providing service, uh, most don't even have power lines and, and and telecommunic telecommunications they they're going straight to cell phones because they just don't have the the time or the the finance to get in and there's also uh, military personnel across the world that could be in dead spots that may need internet service to do what they need to do starlink is going to provide internet to everybody and they're not the first ones spacex is not the first to the game here they just happen to be the fastest there are a lot of constellations that are going to be coming up here in the future SpaceX just happens to be first why because they're not only the rocket launch provider so they provide the rocket that brings the satellite into orbit uh, they also develop spacecraft like the dragon that's bringing capsules uh, the dragon capsule to orbit to bring supplies to the International Space Station they're also the satellite manufacturer for Starlink and they're going to be providing a global internet service so because it's all under one roof, it's all one company essentially that is working on providing this, they can move much quicker in the industry than anybody else. So if there was someone that wanted to provide a Constellation network, it's probably a company that may have built their own satellite or they may have had the idea, paid someone else to build the satellite, and then they would have to go to somebody else to find the rocket to then launch those satellites up. And that takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of uh, business back and forth to make sure that everything's correct and so and then there's also the 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 difficulty or the challenge which is not impossible but it's there of getting the satellite and the spacecraft and the rocket to communicate where SpaceX doesn't have that issue they all of the stuff is the same they know how to communicate they're going to do that and so they can launch and they have reasonable spacecraft so they're able to launch this stuff uh, at a crazy rate. I mean, we, we were doing the math. We're looking it up this this past week. But, you know, this, this Starlink 2 mission is going to launch 60 satellites. And Starlinks 3 and 4 are slated for the end of January, so potentially that's another 60 satellites. At, at the moment, I think that's what the fairing can actually support here for um, the actual Starlink mission. So that's another 120 satellites by the end of January of this year. And then we've got Starlink's... Uh, 5 through 25 slated throughout the rest of the year and that's just now I mean if they could change the plan later in the year but let's just say that that stays right let's say they do do 25 you know Starlink 2 to 25 that's 21 different Starlink missions and after January so you've got 180 satellites in January plus another 21 that's 1260 plus another what was my math? Just 180. So you've got 1440, 
1,440 satellites. I've got to make sure I did that math right. Because that would be embarrassing. Huh? 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 Okay, yeah, I did my math right. Okay. <laughs> so, that's that's just for this year. And the constellation at, at full deployment is going to be around 40,000 satellites. So, what we what we have to keep in mind here is that Number one, this is a great opportunity for SpaceX because it allows them the ability to, to fund the things that they have to do. Starship, which they've gone from the Mark 1, which we talked about before, they scrubbed Mark 2 and went straight to the Mark 3 because of the overpressure event when they were just simply loading fuel. So basically, what's going on here is space expensive. It's the name of the game. It's always been that way. There have been, uh, there is, there is a, a giant list of billionaires that have sunk money into space companies that never went anywhere, and SpaceX is one of the rare ones that got through, and now they're able to do things like this, provide a service like an internet service to gain more revenue to then do more things and to achieve their mission of making life interplanetary and bringing us to Mars, right? Without necessarily uh, the, the complete NASA funding, which is what you know the traditional path would have been maybe five years ago, maybe 10 years ago. SpaceX has that rare, rare opportunity where they can do it by themselves. So one of the things that's happening is that the... And it's something that, that no one in the company thought was was going to happen. And this is something that Gwen Shotwell, the president and COO of SpaceX, has brought up before. Uh, you know, nobody thought that these satellites could potentially mess up ground-based astronomy. And it's become a real point of contention, and it's been kind of controversial online and in, in the space industry, especially the astronomy industry. So basically, people who do astronomy on Earth, who are doing long exposure uh, captures, you know, letting the lens stay open so that more light can get in the same way the telescope works to see deeper into the universe. You have to absorb more light, which takes more time, and then you see further and you see more. With these Starlink satellites in their early stages, they're basically these streaks that happen. Through, so if you're holding a, an exposure on, these Starlink satellites just become giant just streaks across your images. And so that's not great. One of the things that's kind of lost in this controversy, and, and, and there's two sides. There's the SpaceX side that's like, hey, who cares? Uh, th these are the extremes. I'm not saying this is everybody, just like in everything in this world, this is the balance, right? The two extremes of this balance here, there are a lot of SpaceX people are saying, who cares? You guys need to figure out another way to do it. There are plenty of other ways to do it. Stop complaining. Then there's the astronomy people who are saying, you're ruining Earth-based astronomy for everybody. Um, but I think the, the best thing that I've seen here is something that came up. We are uh, at T minus one minute and 50 seconds. I'll pull this up here. But one of the best explanations I saw were that basically we've got an issue that, yes, this can cause issues, but as the spacecraft go, as the Starlink satellites go further and further into orbit, higher and higher into orbit, this becomes less of an issue. It's also only an issue at certain times. So it's not that in the entirety of, of ground-based astronomy is is now ruined. There are just a, there's a smaller window. Now, is that great? No, it's not great. But, uh, but it's something that needs to be adjusted. And the amazing thing about Starlink 2, and this is something that Gwyn Shotwell brought up that they're testing here, is that, uh, let me find the quote here. 
the next batch has one satellite, one of these 60, uh, where we, this is Gwen Shotwell talking, where we put a special coating on the bottom. And you know, this is just an experiment. It might not be perfect, but they're going to do a trial and error and see what's the best way to do it. Uh, and this, let me see here, T-minus 45 seconds. We'll talk more about this as, as soon as it's over. We are go for launch, people. So again, this is uh, Space Launch 40. We were there for the NASA social. Uh, this is a, the same place where we saw um, the Falcon 9 launch for the CRS-19 mission. Uh, this Falcon 9 is, has been launched before uh, on a few different missions. You can see the scarring on the actual spacecraft itself. And T-minus 20 seconds. I'm going to pull up the press kit here so we can get an idea of what we're looking at here. Okay, so. Here we go, folks. Here we go. Here comes launch. Ignition. I do like night launches. I do want to. So we went to a day launch for the NASA social event. Uh, shout out to all my NASA social friends uh, from that. Uh, honestly, a great group of people. Uh, I miss you guys already. I'm hoping we do a, a reunion for, for Starship. Uh, that'd be awesome. But we've got the launch going on here. We are going to be reaching max Q at a minute 13. We're at T plus 30 seconds here. Uh, launch looks bright. Launch looks amazing. And... We are, there is going to be a, a landing on the drone ship, of course, I Still Love You, uh, barge, oh, well, I shouldn't say a barge, a drone ship out in the middle of the Atlantic that's going to pick up the Falcon 9 as it comes back down after delivering Starlink. I'm going to listen in here for a little bit. just about 15 seconds from now, we will be passing through Max-Q. This is the largest aerodynamic pressure that the vehicle will see throughout ascent. Awesome view. All right, T plus right one minute ten. We've got another three seconds till max Q. Vehicle is passing through maximum dynamic pressure. Passing through max Q. Just heard that Again, maximum dynamic pressure, folks. So this is the point where minute, the, the dynamic pressure of this, the rocket going through the atmosphere as it goes up, it's shaking, it's compressing. The throttle, the throttle on the rocket is actually pulled back to make it through this. Now, Miko is where we shut down that main engine on the first... And Miko is main engine cutoff. So that's at 2 minutes and 33 seconds here. We're at a minute 40. So going back, uh, SpaceX is actively trying to fix this issue here. They're, they're actively trying to adjust to the fact that, hey, nobody expected this to be an issue for ground-based astronomy. They are actively trying to take steps like this mission, adding a coating to the bottom of this satellite to hopefully add less re reflectivity so it affects that long exposure shot for ground-based astronomy less. And right, we got uh, main engine cutoff coming up here. Man, the view of this is just insane. This would look really, really cool at a night launch. You know, part of the thing with the day launch is, you know, those, those flames kind of get dulled out as the rocket gets farther and farther away, I wonder what it would be like at night. But we'll find out, won't we? And there goes the main engine cutoff. And there is Miko, as you saw those engines shut down. Stage right. separation Stage separation. The first stage is separating from the second stage. The Falcon 9 is not going to do a boost back burn. Am I correct, Yep. 
uh, and then and come back. Separation and uh, second stage is going to continue to deliver the Starlink satellites three. into the orbit that they need to be in. And then we're going to have fairing deployment in 20 seconds. Right and we should be able to see this on our screen as well. Uh, that's a and pretty on that cool left sight screen from, there, you uh, can from see orbit the grid fins. at night. It's, it's a bit dark on the east coast right now. Yeah, it was now, funny. So you could you could actually it. see a little bit of a reflection from the second stage on those grid fins as they as they uh, slowly release themselves in the vacuum of space. But uh, we've got so six forty one fairing deployment. There's our stack of sixty Starlink satellites. Everything's looking good. All right. So, going back to it, I, I want to quote Gwen Shotwell on this one because I think it's really important. Uh, she said that we want to do, we want to make sure we do the right thing to make sure little kids can look through their telescope. Astronomy is one of the things that gets little kids excited about space. And it's, it's one of the things about this controversy that it is not being talked about on both sides, or especially on the side of, of, of astronomers who are who are upset about this, is SpaceX is actually talking about this. They're actually trying to just, they're adding a coding to the satellite. They could tell you to off and and just, we don't care, what are you gonna do? They're not doing that. They're, they're trying to do something about this. Um, you know, and she, and she said, you know, people, people look through their telescopes, it's cool for them to see a Starlink, but they should be looking at Saturn, at the moon, and we don't want that to be interrupted. Again, this is Gwen Shotwell, president and CEO of SpaceX. Uh, and she said the experimental coding that would make the satellites less reflect, uh, reflective would, could affect its performance. So one of the things, a uh, space term is called albedo. And albedo is, is really important because it's, it's a measure of your reflectivity, if we're gonna be really, really basic about it. So how reflective your, your coding, your coloring, your, your surfaces of a spacecraft is really, really, really important because that it in the vacuum of space temperatures change wildly, and so you actually want a specific reflectivity on your spacecraft. The original Starlink reflectivity that they needed for performance in orbit and performance of the satellite itself made it so that the reflectivity at the certain point at sunset at different times around the world made it too reflective for long exposure astronomy. So this one will be less reflective, but it will also affect the performance of the satellite. So uh, we're going to see what their adjustment does. Um, you know, and I, I've been saying this for a little while now. I, I, I don't know enough about long exposure photography to know. So if, if you do know more about this, please, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. But it seems to me that there could be some kind of a software patch or, or some kind of an analyzer that could as someone is taking a long exposure shot, take out the, the basically the streaks that are gonna be happening from a Starlink satellite. At the very least, there could be a Starlink tracker that's gonna be able to tell people that are doing ground-based astronomy where it's gonna be at what time and when the worst reflectivity is gonna be so that they can actually, uh, it won't get in the way. Now, will it take some more planning on the, on the side of astronomers? Yes. But these are these are the kinds of things that that we need to look for as as we get closer. All right, so I'm gonna again. This is this is only the third launch of Starlink. So this is super super early, and the reflectivity as it goes further and further uh, it, through its 
through its lifetime as it gets deployed into orbit, it takes a few months to do so. And as it gets higher, as it's saying here in the um, in the press kit for Starlink, it says uh, Starlink satellite flight operations take place in three phases, orbit raise, on-station service, and deep orbit. After deployment over the course of one to four months, satellites use their onboard thrusters to raise from an altitude of 290 kilometers to 550 kilometers. So at that time, during that phase, uh, the satellites are closely clustered and the solar arrays are in a special low drag configuration, making them more visible from the ground. So as the Starlink mission continues to go and gets higher into orbit and they get to their final place in orbit and their solar arrays are in a specific coordination for configuration for when they're going to be operating things are going to change so there's a lot that need there's a lot that's going to be done in the future here we're coming up on the first stage landing we already had the entry burn that went well we were at t plus seven minutes and 48 seconds and the landing should be in about 30 seconds so we're going to check in here because i've talked a lot Stage one, landing burn startup. There we go. All right, we got it. We got the image of the drone ship. You can see that light on the left. Yep. Looks stage like the stage one's coming in, folks. It's coming in. Stage one, landing God, this is going to be slow. This never gets old. All right, everything's bright. Everything's bright. Uh, and yes. Yep. <laughs> Dude, first stage is landed on the drone ship. I mean, they are, they are dialing that in. This is the 38th landing. Do you hear that? I think I heard that correctly. But this is wild. So successful launch so far. Uh, the second stage still has to get into orbit to deliver these satellites. Uh, we're not going to hang on for the entire time here because uh, satellites deploy about an hour into uh, the launch here. So, but I just want to—I just want to close on some thoughts, and I'm interested what what you guys have to think. I mean, what this is an interesting point in history, and I heard the discussion on on the Reddit page, Reddit discussions about this whole thing, and there's definitely a lot of scare tactics going on uh, about this whole thing. And it really does ring true to something very similar of what happened with telephone poles. You know, people didn't want telephone poles uh, because it got in the way. It, it got in the way of the beauty of nature and people didn't want these ugly poles with wires going on. We have them everywhere now um, because it was more valuable to have telephones and reliable telephone service than it was to not have them at all. And uh, we've seen the same thing here in, in the Boston area, in Massachusetts, um, especially down, down the Cape. And we still have this issue. And it, it, it's the issue around the world. We have options for green energy. Are they the most efficient out there? No, but we do have options that are available today. Wind energy is an amazing opportunity for all of us to get energy from nature that's out there. I mean, the, the, the best one is solar, right? We have a fusion reactor in the sky that's giving us energy anyways. If we can find a way to harness that, which is what Tesla is starting to do with Solar City and, and all the different things that they're, they're making possible today and pushing things faster along, along the way than they've ever been before, 
but we people still don't want to do it. And it, it, so going back to what I was saying originally, here in the in Cape Cod, it's called here. If, you, if you're not familiar with Massachusetts, but the Cape has really nice scenery. Obviously, it's a coastal uh, area, and it's a perfect place. I mean, if you've ever grew up in this area, you know it's windy there. It's a perfect place for us to get some free energy. The people of the Cape that live there could easily uh, get f free energy, energy that's cheaper, and actually possibly make some money off of it, basically, for, for the town and, and, and for the state. We could make money for all of this, but people hate the way it looks. And so there are these changes that happen when the need is great. And right now, global internet service is a need. Uh, also, SpaceX has a need for more funding to continue doing what they're doing because space is not cheap and development costs money. So I guess my question to you guys this week is, what do you think about this scenario? Do you think that SpaceX should stop Starlink altogether? I mean, they're already, they're already launching, so that's somewhat impossible. Uh, do you think SpaceX is doing enough? I mean, it, it, they're, 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 actively testing you know they don't have to do this right now they didn't have to just add a coat on one of these satellites uh to test it to actually see if it if it works to to adjust to the people that to, to the obvious issue that yes it is affecting ground-based astronomy do you think that there's uh, taking taking the other side do you think that the astronomy community should be more vocal. I, I definitely, I think there are some people online who are being vocal, but it's not like SpaceX hid this mission, you know, and I, you know, am I leaning towards SpaceX on this one? Yes. Am I biased towards the situation? Do I think that the, um, the trade-off of, uh, let's say having a global internet service and providing funding so that they're not dependent on government money is good? Yes. And the thing that I learned this week that kind of definitely threw me over the line of, of even being questionable of whether I'm on their side is that they're not the only ones doing a Constellation satellite. So if it, if it wasn't going to be SpaceX, it was going to be somebody else. And I don't see anyone as responsive and uh, that cares as much as SpaceX would, uh, just given what I know about the people that work there and the people that are involved. Uh, I, I am really, really happy with what they're doing. I'm excited to see... The results, I mean, we know someone's going to take a picture of those satellites, so we're going to see images uh, of, of people that are not related to SpaceX of seeing how different this is. We're also going to get SpaceX's input on how it performs at some level, and we're, we're going to go on from there. But I'm interested to see what you guys think about the whole debacle, what you guys think, and please just let me know. You know, you can hit us up uh, today in space pod on Instagram and on Twitter. You can also find our Facebook page, Today in Space Podcast. There's also the email. You can email us today in space podcast at gmail.com. And that's it, folks. Uh, next week, we've got another episode coming up for you. And we've got a few things. You know, this year has been really, uh, I'm really excited for this year. It's already off to a great start. Um, working on my, my, my structure. Uh, it's definitely something to get used to. I am so used to spending a certain amount of time or, or, having no time limit and going after something. So uh, bear with me as I figure all this stuff out because it's testing, it's experimenting. And that's what we're doing. We're experimenting with something different. So let me know what you think. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, spread love, spread science. 
Have a great week. Congratulations, SpaceX team so far. A great launch and landing of the first stage of the Falcon 9. And I'm um, excited to see what happens with the deployment of these 60 Starlink satellites for Starlink 2. And there's two more later this month. So that's that's the controversy. I don't think there's really much there. I, I think that everything will work out in the end. And this is where the adaptation of new technology and stuff, you know, people used to think that the train was a bad thing because no human being should move that fast. And if they did, their I think I remember hearing people thought like their insides would would get destroyed because you're not supposed to move that fast. I mean these these are the these are the moments. <laughs> Maybe even the space program. Just to close out here, even the space program, they had the early astronauts take eye exams while they were in space because they didn't think that your eyes could work in space. They thought they would float out of your head. I mean that these are the things that people freak out about when things change. I mean, look, we all, I'm freaking out from the tiny change that I'm asking myself to be a little bit more structured. I am freaking out. So I, I get it. I get it. Change sucks, but sometimes change for the better if, if what you get out of it is worth it and it's better than not doing it. So that's life, man. And that this is the balance. So that's what this episode is. A little bit of a launch hangout, a little bit of the balance. That's it, folks. I hope you have a great week. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.